listening to the Stoic Solutions Podcast, practical wisdom for everyday life inspired by the ancient tradition of Stoic philosophy from Greece and Rome. I'm your host, Justin Vakula. Visit my website at stoicsolutionspodcast.com. This is episode 104, Metallica and Stoic Philosophy. I speak with Dr. William Irwin, a returning podcast guest, about his newest book, The Meaning of Metallica, Ride the Lyrics. We talk about themes in Stoic philosophy found in the lyrics of Metallica songs, including the dangers of irrationality and relying on externals for happiness. We also talk about acceptance, humility, depression, self-improvement, and finding fulfillment. William Irwin is a professor of philosophy at King's College in Pennsylvania. He is the author of several books, including The Free Market Existentialist and God is a Question, Not an Answer. In addition, he is the general editor of the Blackwell Philosophy and Pop Culture series. Irwin's most recent book, published in April of 2022, is The Meaning of Metallica. Find more information in the show notes. On with today's episode. All right. Thank you for coming on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Justin. I, you know, I was just thinking before coming on with you how great it is that you're doing this podcast and, and how important it is that the uh, the word gets out there about stoicism and thinking back on, on my own education all the way through to a PhD in philosophy. And I never had a class where the Stoics were discussed or read, probably mentioned in passing, but that's about it. And uh, uh, I regularly teach the Stoics, and or at least Epictetus in particular, in my intro class. And just, just so practical and so important. And when you think of the things that you want people to take away from philosophy, Stoics have to be right up at the top. All right, great. We'll make up for some of that lost time today for sure. And you're a returning guest on the podcast. So thank you for coming back on. And now you're with another book. Yeah, well, you're very kind to have me back, Justin. It's always a pleasure to speak with you. So uh, yeah, so this book is called The Meaning of Metallica, Ride the Lyrics. And I realize many of your, uh, your listeners and followers are not necessarily Metallica fans, but I think that we have some good conversation that we can have around Metallica drawing out stoic themes. And even though the book isn't explicitly uh, formulated around stoicism or even around philosophy, uh, there are a number of uh, stoic themes and ideas that, uh, that come up in the lyrics. And sometimes uh, as uh, counter not counter examples, but uh, examples of what not to do and how not to be, uh, as well as examples of, uh, of illustrating Stoic ideals. Absolutely. And even in the Stoic texts, there's talk about drama. There's talk about literature and many things that we can learn lessons from, some things that can be applicable to our daily lives and have some value, as though the Stoics, the Stoics warned about things like the murderous intent of gladiators, for instance, rather than just a competition we could still find some redeeming value in entertainment and literature and music and so much more. Yeah, well, that, that was one thing that I was curious about when, when you first asked me to come on to, to discuss this, because uh, your, your reading of the Stoics is, is broader and, and deeper than, than mine is. As I said, I never even had them uh, in class and, and most of my experience in, in reading. I mean, I've read Marcus Aurelius and Seneca and a little bit of Cicero, but I'm, I'm mostly focused on Epictetus, and, and he has a pretty negative view, at least in my, my take, on, uh, on the arts and, uh, and entertainments as potential uh, inflamers of, uh, of emotion. And, you know, you don't necessarily avoid it, but you don't necessarily 
go out of your way. And so, you know, how do we fit in discussion of a, of a heavy metal band that, uh, that inflames emotions with the, the sounds of their music and, and their lyrics. Uh, but I'm glad to, to hear that you think that, yeah, we, we can take a look at, uh, at art uh, in its various forms and, uh, appreciate it for what it illustrates, uh, sometimes uh, illustrating a negative of how not to be, how not to get angry, how not to get upset, uh, along with uh, some of the uh, maybe loftier ideals that are uh, put forward as well. Sure. And as you talk about in the book, there are some deep philosophical themes in the music. You organize it by chapters, talking about religion, addiction, insanity and confusion, death, war, justice, freedom, emotional isolation control and resilience so we'll talk about some of the topics today and in the first chapter or maybe the second you talk about self-deception being a bad thing that some religious adherents for example can ignore reason in favor of dogma and this can lead to disasters such as people refusing to take modern medicine and dying when this could have been avoided, especially children. The, the book is, is really focused on Metallica's lyrics, although I, I talk about the, uh, the music, uh, you know, the instrumental parts as well when, when it sort of reinforces or is important for understanding what's going on lyrically. And the book is uh, organized thematically, as you, uh, you mentioned. So some fans... Uh, they come to the book thinking it's just a catalog album by album, but really what goes on is a sort of thematic uh, treatment where I, I skip across uh, different songs and different parts of Metallica's career to sort of organize it. And, and the book is intended as something that can read like a, a conversation uh, akin to what you and I are having and uh, where we sort of wander from uh, one thought and theme to a next as, as seems to make sense. Uh, so you mentioned the theme of self-deception, which is an important one that comes up in uh, Metallica's discussion of uh, religion, starting uh, with the song uh, Creeping Death, uh, which raises all sorts of potential questions about uh, the way in which uh, there is belief in this uh, really very angry uh, Tony Soprano kind of Old Testament god who... Uh, is going to kill all these uh, baby Egyptians just to free uh, his chosen people, and into uh, a song called uh, The God That Failed, which uh, is very uh, uh, self-reflective on the, uh, the writer's part. Uh, the, the, the lyricist uh, of Metallica, for folks who don't know, is James Hetfield, and he was actually raised as a, a Christian scientist, and, uh, you know, witnessed some uh, really unfortunate things where people uh, were deceived into thinking that prayer could, uh, could heal il an illness or a disease. And in fact, uh, his own mother died uh, when he was 16 as a result of uh, an untreated illness. And then later in life, his father uh, who had previously abandoned the family, uh, died uh, of cancer. It's less clear to me if he sought treatment or not, although he was the, uh, the prime uh, believer uh, in Christian scientism uh, in the family. Uh, and, you know, the, the evidence just speaks for itself. What we have there is, uh, is a clear case of self-deception. And uh, another uh, important song in the Metallica catalog Leper Messiah uh, speaks to the way in which 
people sort of uh, willingly uh, take on the uh, self-deception that can be needed uh, in some forms of religious belief in Leper Messiah from 1986's Master of Puppets album, uh, largely speaking to the televangelists uh, who uh, ran uh, rampant on the airwaves back then and, and the way in which people so sort of desperate uh, for belief uh, in something that would, uh, you know, soothe the pain of, and difficulty of life were willing to uh, sort of sheep-like follow some of these people. Yes, yeah, the Stoics warn us about putting too much adulation or thought in one particular ideology or individual and to really question everything, right? Even even Seneca is saying, hey, the words I have now, maybe I'm wrong about something. We, we can look at the people from the past, but we're not going to just automatically believe that everything they said is correct, that we'll amend ideas, we'll get new information and try to grow society, ourselves, and much more. Yeah, that, that, that's such an important insight and so different from what you hear in uh, the sort of muscular faith uh, of so many religions, an, an admission of fallibility, what I say may not be right, test it out for yourself, right? The proof is in the pudding. Uh, there's a, a natural overlap there with, uh, with Buddhism as well, where uh, the Buddha was claiming, uh, don't take my word for any of this, try it out for yourself and, and see if it works. Sure. And not, not only religion, but it could be celebrities, it can be politicians, where some people will try to excuse away any kind of bad behavior. And they'll just like have this messiah complex around an individual or an ideology, even though a lot of evidence points contrary to the goodness that they think it is. Well, that's true. And it, it's sort of funny when, when you bring that up, because... Uh, we see that in uh, in fan culture and uh, in its various forms, and uh, I have to be constantly on my guard uh, in, in writing this book that I'm I'm not sort of deifying uh, James Hetfield and, and Metallica and, and making uh, excuses uh, for some uh, you know uh, some songs that are less than uh, up to standard. And Metallica has their share of haters uh, out there as well because of changes that they've made career-wise and sound-wise. And uh, I had one guy tell me that Metallica is a cult. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, it, it, they're not a cult band. They're a huge band. Uh, but it, it is true uh, that uh, some people, uh, and I've had to, to guard against them, this uh, tendency myself, uh, you know, will uh, excuse anything uh, and uh, find a way to like anything. And, you know, that, that I think is, is contrary to the, uh, the spirit of Metallica at their best and certainly contrary to the spirit of Stoicism. It's say like, oh, well, not every album is going to be a 10 out of 10, right? It's, it's really rare to see that for sure. Some people might be, for instance, fans of the earlier music, but not so much the Load and Reload albums, for instance. Yeah, it, it, it's it's a very funny thing with Metallica, not to get too deep into the weeds here, but in Metallica fandom, and I've spoken to many, many uh, Metallica fans, the sure, the dominant uh, uh, tendency is, is to like the earlier albums uh, much better, and some people part company very early, but I, I've found people uh, whose favorite album 
uh, is their most reviled and least critically acclaimed album, Sane Anger. Uh, and there will be people who uh, pick a song off of, uh, you know, a deep cut off of Sane Anger or, or Reload uh, as their absolute favorite. And, you know, when, when they say that at first, they think they're just putting me on and trying to get a rise out of me, but they're serious. Uh, and, and some of that does have to do, I think, with uh, exposure and when uh, you first got into uh, a band or kind of music tends to make a, a huge emotional impact. And, uh, you know, that, that's the kind of thing I think uh, the Stokes would tell us to, uh, to guard against, right? That uh, you can't really be objective about the value of something uh, when it's made an impact on you emotionally, particularly at a, a particularly sensitive time, whether that's in high school or some point in adolescence, etc. And speaking of uh, some level of humility, saying that, okay, well, we haven't made all the right decisions, we've made some mistakes. Hetfield talks about his own struggles with addiction. We have the song Master of Puppets, for instance, and it seems to lead us to a conclusion, or at least the message that I got from it, that there's very much danger relying on externals for happiness, whether it be drugs, alcohol, something else. Yeah, that's right. So in the uh, the thread that leads from one chapter to the next, uh, and as our discussion is sort of following now, the uh, the theme of self deception is the uh, the theme that sort of connects the uh, issue of religion and the issue of addiction, which is the the next chapter, right? Uh, and it goes from following a leper messiah to following uh, the God that failed to uh, you know, obeying uh, a master. And the, the song Master of Puppets, uh, you know, off of what is generally regarded or widely regarded as their uh, greatest album, the 1986 album, Master of Puppets, uh, is, is really a song about addiction. And Hetfield wrote it. Uh, when he was a full-blown alcoholic, although uh, sort of uh, in denial about it, as, as many are uh, at various uh, stages in addiction. But it's a song uh, that deals in drug addiction. Uh, the line, chop your breakfast on a mirror, resonate with anybody uh, who's ever dabbled in cocaine and needlework the way uh, for intravenous drug use. And... Uh, it's easy to look at the uh, the person who is worse off than you when it comes to being reliant on something external, right? Uh, and whether that uh, external reliance is on consumer goods or on Facebook likes or uh, Instagram followers uh, or uh, on uh, a drug, be it uh, uh, cocaine, uh, heroin, alcohol, caffeine, nicotine, or whatever it is uh, that you put into your system, uh, that that's uh, a really uh, what would you say? That that's a tightrope that that you walk when you do that. You you take a chance, right? You can you can get the uh, the benefits from it, uh, but ultimately it ends up being, and and the song nicely reveals this as I. Uh, discuss and analyze in the book that the uh, the master uh, of puppets is not the uh, powder in the bag or the liquid in the bottle or anything like that, but your own uh, reliance uh, that has uh, become so warped and dependent and uh, 
elevated to the level of addiction really has you uh, enslaved, right? And uh, really uh, part of the, the goal of being a Stoic is to be free, uh, to be liberated and to uh, not be uh, enslaved to the, uh, the desires and the externals that uh, so many people find themselves uh, enamored of and enslaved to. Right. It's the issue of overdoing it with the drugs as some of the Stokes will talk about, okay, you can indulge in food, you can indulge in wine, but just don't overdo it. And that, that's the problem that comes up in the song is it gets to such a level that you're unable to back away. You're having the extreme withdrawal. There are all these issues coming about. You, you don't have that personal freedom anymore. Yeah, right. So the the slave becomes the master in, in that sense, right? That uh, at first you're using the drug, uh, but the uh, the drug ends up in that sense using you. You've worked yourself so that uh, you know you're not getting the better of the deal. Uh, uh, Winston Churchill had some kind of great line about his uh, relationship with uh, with alcohol where he said, I've, I've taken more from alcohol than alcohol has taken from me. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> you know, that might be so in, in Winston Churchill's case, but it's, it's a dangerous game uh, that we play when we uh, abuse and overuse something uh, where it ends up taking more from us than we take from it. Yes, but there, there is some hope in that you can recover, but it's going to take a lot of time and work to do that in many cases. And the Stoics talk about that too. Epictetus reflects on his issues of anger and he says, well, I didn't expect a recovery overnight, but I noticed, oh, I wasn't as angry last week, for instance. Uh, there, there are certain degrees to it. So noting that improvement and giving yourself some time to recover and taking a serious, serious effort at it is certainly something we can try for rather than just totally giving up. No, that's absolutely right. Uh, it's not about giving up all altogether. Yeah, wh whether the issue is, is one of uh, substance addiction uh, or just uh, problems with anger, which is no less serious of a problem, uh, it's not that you're doomed necessarily. Uh, and uh, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think that there is uh, an important ele element of stoicism and acceptance that's at the heart of recovery from uh, substance abuse, and uh, it, it's at the heart of recovery from anything that has mastered us, whether it be uh, reliance on uh, Facebook likes or uh, overindulgence in anger. To move on to another related topic, you talk about depression, and I'll try to avoid the word starting with S and ending in E, maybe taking one's life uh, for the YouTube censors out there. Uh, this this idea that people can get that nothing can get better. You, you talk about people are often hyper focused in the present and they're only looking at examples of the negatives, but not the good things that are going. This is uh, some of the themes in Metallica's music as well. But sure, taking your own life uh, certainly is uh, a, an awful uh, temptation that one can find oneself faced with uh, as a result of well, whatever life circumstances uh, uh, may occur. Uh, and the uh, Metallica song, uh, Fade to Black, uh, re really very much uh, engages with that issue and, and, uh, and shows the, uh, the thought process of the person uh, who is uh, in, in deep despair and has lost the sense of self. 
And uh, it, it is one of those uh, examples that uh, I, I think uh, a Stoic can and should approve of where it really delivers uh, a catharsis so that listening to the song uh, doesn't leave the listener wanting to take his or her own life, but really having engaged with the, uh, the awfulness uh, of the, uh, the sense of despair that might lead to it. Uh, instead, uh, feeling like as long as uh, I can summon some hope to go on, a recovery, as we were just talking about, uh, is possible. Yeah, re really, uh, it, it, it turns out to be a message of hope rather than uh, a message of despair. And the Stoics note that there, there are some cases like extreme illness, disease, where someone might want to end it, but that's a pretty rare situation in modern times, I would think, compared to some people. It's like, oh, well, my lover left me, so therefore life is not worth living. Like, that's that's an extreme jump in things, right? And, and actually, there are a couple of Metallica songs that come to mind and that I discuss in the book where ending one's own life, or at least the wish to end one's own life, is rational, as opposed to the song Fade to Black, where it is, you know, it's a, it's a, a classic case of clinical depression, which is no laughing matter and not trivial and does take lives. But uh, for most people, there is the possibility of uh, some recovery. Uh, I'm thinking here of the song One, which is a song that... Uh, uh, a lot of people will know, even if they're not Metallica fans, uh, it was their first video, and for a lot of people it was their introduction to Metallica, where the scenario that's depicted is is out of a movie called Johnny Got His Gun, where uh, it's, it's about World War I, but the movie is really an implicit critique of the Vietnam War from uh, early 1970s, the film, and, and the uh, the person who is depicted, uh, Johnny, I believe, in the film, unnamed as a character in the, uh, the song one, is without the ability to see, hear, or anything, and is believed by the, uh, the doctors to be basically in a persistent vegetative state, but he's, he's just existing uh, and tries to signal uh, ultimately through his, uh, his bodily movements in some sort of Morse code uh, to uh, unplugging uh, and let him die. Uh, and you, you can see how in a situation like that, right, and this is perhaps the kind of thing uh, that uh, some of the Stoics would uh, see as a rational choice that this life is not worth living. And another uh, very strange scenario uh, that's uh, envisioned in another Metallica song a song called Trapped Under Ice off their classic album Ride the Lightning uh, is about a person uh, frozen uh, in a cryonic state uh, who actually uh, then regains consciousness but is still frozen uh, in the cryonic state and is unable to communicate to anybody in the outside uh, world to thaw him out. Uh, I sort of almost laugh at that. It's a, it, it, it's a, a tragic state to imagine. Uh, but it, it's kind of like, uh, you know, you could imagine uh, almost like a Larry David curb your enthusiasm. Uh, there's no way you're going to let me 
put me in a cryonic state because what if I come through and, uh, and this is what happens, right? Uh, but mm. that too would be a case where one could sort of wish to die. But in, in both of those uh, situations, the ability to end one life end one's life is deprived because of the physical circumstances. That's sort of the uh, the awful almost twilight zone irony of those situations. Yes, the Stoics talk too about exile. Maybe you get expelled from your country, and especially in ancient times, you would just be on some barren island. And and is that really a life that that we want? How how are we going to cope with that? And that was a more common occurrence back then. And some people were, oh, well, maybe I can try to find some positives and use this as a time to reflect. Maybe there's something good that can come out of it. That's a message from Stoicism, too, that, okay, well, maybe we think that things are bad now, but maybe not all hope is lost. There might be some examples where, of course, it is, but not always. Yeah, right. Uh, so that, that, that's a great example, exile, in, in the sense that, uh, from a modern perspective, it says it seems like well, maybe that wouldn't even be so bad. Uh, people drive me crazy. Send me away. <laughs> I'd be glad for that. And and uh, from the the time and place in in which it's considered such a terrible punishment. I mean, if you if you think back to like hunter gatherer societies, to be exiled is is basically a death sentence because you're probably not going to survive well uh, and long on your own. And, you know, in ancient Rome or, or, or Greece, uh, to be exiled to uh, a barren island, uh, you know, your survival uh, ability uh, goes way, way down. And just to be without the company of other people and the people who might bring meaning to your life and maybe the implicit sense of shame that comes with that, all of it begins to seem as if, well, how, how could life be worth living under those conditions? But you know, maybe it's rational uh, to, to end your life, or, or maybe it's not, right? And uh, you know, you can think of uh, of people uh, who've uh, endured prison and enslavement and and all sorts of uh, awful situations, and with uh, the benefit of a stoic mindset, have been able to actually flourish and, uh, or you know, certainly flourish. Uh, mentally, emotionally, if not uh, in the sense of uh, materially. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's not relying on those externals, maybe not relying on nation or validation from others. And and one and some of the other Metallica songs you talk about show us some of the dangers that can be associated with war, that maybe it's one thought that they were in some noble pursuit, but it turned out to be really terrible in the end. There was maybe that self-deception or they were sucked into joining a cause that they thought was good but turned out not to be it's the madness of crowds that can be a terrible thing the stoics warn us about yeah well so so war right is uh historically just one of the leading causes of death or at least one of the uh, most unfortunate causes of death of of young people young men in particular and the, the song that i referenced before one is uh, inspired by that movie Johnny Got His Gun, which is depicted in the uh, the context of World War One, which itself was a controversial uh, war. Uh, but yet you have young men flocking to uh, to join up and fight, and it was uh, filmed and uh, and aired at a time when the Vietnam War was uh, was raging, and uh, likewise an unpopular war in in historical perspective. 
And uh, yeah, plenty of other Metallica songs engage this uh, topic as well from uh, For Whom the Bell Tolls on uh, Ride the Lightning, which uh, is inspired by the, uh, the Ernest Hemingway novel and, uh, you know, calling into question, you know, the, is this uh, war really worthwhile? Is this hill that we're on? worth dying for and uh it's that song is at least somewhat ambiguous uh as to how one might answer it perhaps it is perhaps it isn't but again on master of puppets uh we have the the song that uh really comes out as uh as anti-war uh uh, disposable heroes where the uh the young men uh who are led into uh, glory seeking uh, in joining the uh, the military and fighting for the glory of country come to realize that they're really just being uh, well the, the narrator of the song in particular comes to realize that he's just being manipulated and, and used as cannon fodder or whatever the uh, uh, more modern uh, military equivalent of that might be it doesn't matter at all as an individual person to the commanders uh, who are sending him to die. Yep, so definitely questioning common wisdom, definitely thinking about what we're getting into before we do it, making such a major life decision as many of these young men, maybe they're 17, 18, and they just get thrown into this, although of their own choosing to some extent. Yeah, and you mentioned 17 or 18, right? In the the song Disposable Heroes, the, the line goes, 21 only son which 21 is, is a bit older than 17 and 18 and, and far less impressionable, but it, it works as, as a rhyme in the, in the song. Uh, the, you know, the military does like to get them young, uh, 17, 18. Uh, you're, you're much more uh, open to military indoctrination, military uh, mindset being taken apart and put back together and uh yeah i mean this is not to say that no one should serve in the military obviously uh that's not the case and there are lots of uh great uh stoic values that are taught in the military uh but you really do need to be careful yep all right to move on to another topic although related you talk about the acceptance of death in your book the, the lyric, or as you write, when Reaper calls, may it be that we walk straight and right. Yeah, the, so that, that that's off of a, a more recent song from the album Hardwired uh, to Self-Destruct. And it, it, it's part of a song that's somewhat satirizing uh, the, the, the romance uh, of death uh, and the sort of Romeo and Juliet kind of... Uh, uh, we can be together uh, in eternity sort of mindset. Uh, but uh, th- there is uh, an element of, uh, of seriousness to that line as well, uh, where we do know that uh, at a certain point death is inevitable. And, uh, you know, there's the uh, great poetic line, right, of uh, to rage against the dying of the light. And, and surely that is the way to go uh, at a certain point in one's struggle, whether it be with uh, an illness or whatever the case may be. But when the inevitability sets in, at least I hope that I uh, am accepting uh, 
uh, on my deathbed, uh, the way that that line sort of speaks to. Yes, not hopefully having regrets of, oh, I didn't live a fulfilled life. I missed this. I missed that. As the Stoics warn us of that, that the end of life is approaching. We, we might underestimate that. But how many people later in life find out that they missed their opportunity to find fulfillment? Sort of possibility that uh, you end up on your, your deathbed uh, with regrets and uh, unfulfilled plans and wishes and, and all of that kind of thing, right? I mean, the, the cliche is that nobody ever says, I wish that I had spent uh, more time uh, at work or on social media or something like that when they're on their deathbed, right? It tends to be more about uh, the way in which, uh, you know, they should have spent more time with friends and family and, and pursuits that they found meaningful and and all of that kind of thing so it, it certainly is uh a spur to, to choose wisely how one lives in the present yes and having that acceptance as some people can be fearful about death their entire life and i imagine that most people will feel that little existential pang once in a while but to be in such a state of oh this is terrible um, and maybe even not even value the life that they have now. Well, okay, death might be the end of it, but what about what comes before that? The, the idea that, uh, that, that fear of death uh, can deprive a life of, uh, of its joy and zest and value. I mean, I think in particular there of uh, Epicurus, not a Stoic, but uh, certainly someone the Stoics can borrow from, right, with uh, his views on the fear of death and, and believing that uh, death brings the end, that there is nothing after that should liberate us from the, the kinds of fears that uh, tend to take away from the, uh, the enjoyment of, of a life, including the fear of death itself. Yes, and still living a good life while we can, as the Stoics, of course, focus on value and virtues and it's not like, oh, well, hey, there's uh, no afterlife, so I can just do whatever I want. Who cares? We're still to treat people with respect and dignity and live a virtuous life. That's one, one criticism that, that might assail the Stoics, of course. Yeah, and, and you mentioned uh, virtues, right? I mean, uh, I, I forget the, uh, the contrasting terms that, uh, that I've heard. Oh, vice. I'm sorry. No, no, not 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 of vices, but uh, they, they talk about uh, eulogy virtues, right? I mean, uh, what would you like people to say about you uh, when you're gone, right? And it, it tends oh, not to be uh, whatever the opposite would be, right? That he was whatever uh, the hardest worker uh, at the uh, at the job or the richest guy or whatever it tends to be, you know, when you think about what would you pe want people to really say about you, right? That you were a loving family member, a good and devoted friend, that you were kind, that you were generous, uh, those kind of things. Uh, that's the stuff that, that's really important. Oh, I'm seeing a differentiation between resume virtues and eulogy virtues that maybe on the resume, it's like, oh, I'm a punctual person. I'm a hard worker. I'm a team, you know, all these like buzzwords that people want to put on applications, right? That's but exactly I'm it. A, that, yeah, I'm, I'm seeing here kindness, compassion, love, humility, wisdom, courage, integrity are under this banner of eulogy virtues as a, I suppose a philosopher here, David Brooks. Ah, all right. Very good. Yes, yes. 
that's what I was thinking of. <laughs> the moral bucket list. I'm seeing this is uh, some some live uh, googling during the podcast. All that's, right. Well, that's thanks fine. for that's, that's interesting. That. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, to move on to another song you write about, wherever I may roam. There's this uh, lyric by myself, but not alone. Yeah. And w when you asked me to come on the podcast with this book, that, that was a song in particular that I thought of as, as, as fitting uh, with stoicism. And, and that, that's a neat paradoxical poetic line, right? Uh, people, some people look askance when, uh, when I say that I'm writing a book about the, uh, the lyrics of Metallica, right? People are ready to hear about uh, Bob Dylan and, uh, Leonard Cohen and people like that, but th there's a good bit of poetry as well as wisdom and insight embedded in the uh, lyrics of Metallica and, and that song, Wherever I May Roam, although it was a, a radio hit uh, off of their biggest uh, self-titled uh, album, the Black Album, Metallica, uh, has, has some, some gems in there, right? And so uh, by myself, but not alone, that, that's a bit of a head scratcher. Uh, in, in terms of how you, uh, you make sense of that. But one interpretation of it, and I think this fits a bit with Stoicism, is that uh, being alone, right? We talked about uh, exile before. Being alone is, is not necessarily a bad thing, right? You uh, can be alone and certainly not be lonely. Uh, and that doesn't even necessarily mean that you're living like a hermit cut off from other people, uh, or a person who's forced into exile, but instead that you're someone who relies on himself or herself primarily uh, for the uh, pleasure and the, the value that they, uh, they take in life, right? And that, so the song, Wherever I May Roam, is uh, basically about a person uh, who's cutting ties with uh, the, uh, the, path, the life that, he, that he's lived in the past and heading out on the road and self-defining and being, uh, uh, well, I mean, it's a, it's a kind of a rugged individualism without making too much of that. Sure, uh, other people uh, are valuable and important, and there is certainly a place for friendship, an important place for friendship in, uh, in the good life and in the stoic life. Uh, but uh, we're really someone who is more valuable uh, when we, uh, we're not needy and codependent upon other people. Uh, so yes. And the Stoics, I believe Seneca also mentioned this idea of wherever you go, there you are that some people will say, Oh, well, if I change my environment, things are going to get a lot better. Things are going to change. But what if you have a bad mindset? What if it's not everybody else? It's you, right? So the, <laughs> there's, there's that idea too. Yeah, that that that's absolutely right. Uh, we, we tend to want to look at externals as the cause of our unhappiness or whatever the case may be. But uh, wherever you go, you take yourself with you, right? You can be. That reminds me of the uh, well, sort of the flip side of that is the, uh, the the line from Milton's Paradise Lost, right, where. Uh, Satan reasons that he can make a, a heaven of hell or a hell of heaven, right? Uh, and so even the worst circumstances, uh, even a hell can be made into a heaven. I mean, it doesn't work out that well for Satan in Paradise Lost ultimately, but the, uh, the <laughs> sentiment alert. Is, uh, is worth <laughs> noting. Yes, and the Stoics also thought of this idea of a cosmopolis, that we're all part of a society, we're part of this world, so there, there's an interconnectedness 
of things on many different levels, whether it's just interactions with others, whether it's a biological or molecular thing. Uh, certainly they weren't talking about molecules, but they, they seem to be on to something with their idea of everything being connected in some way. Yeah, connectedness and sort of being a citizen uh, of, of the world. There's a lot to be said for that. Yes, the Socrates as well was like not not a person of just a small place, but oh, well, I'm, I'm someone of the world. And the Stoics spoke of that as well. All right. And to move on to another topic here, you write of a difference of being dependent and fragile versus being independent and firm. There's the, the, the problem that, that, that comes when you're, you're too dependent on other people for adulation, approval. And of course, uh, we all have had the experience of being burned by others, right? And uh, Epictetus uh, speaks a good bit about dealing with insults. Uh, that's some of my favorite sort of black belt uh, level stoic uh, practice and wisdom <laughs> yep. there where you, you know, but uh, there, there is the potential temptation of uh, going too far in the other direction and thinking I, I don't need uh, anyone. And, uh, you know, the uh, potential problem of, uh, of getting yourself in the situation where uh, you end up uh, emotionally isolated and then. Uh, when you do reach out to and try to connect with uh, with another person, uh, perhaps you're uh, you, you're not uh, a full person, but someone who's seeking, uh, you know, his other half or her other half or, or whatever the case may be. Yeah, there's a balance that we can find value in others. You mentioned friendship earlier and the Stoics were big on that and having someone to share your thoughts with, to be open with and um, someone who would also provide guidance rather than just being around like, yes, people and, you know, oh, slay queen slay and, you know, just go and do whatever you want. But other people say like, oh, maybe uh, you could check yourself there on that thing or maybe here's some improvement that you could do or pointing out flaws in others, pointing out some room for improvement, right? Yeah, that's right, and this this is one of the uh, the areas where Hetfield is uh, he's very self reflective and very vulnerable in ways uh, that someone who hasn't paid close attention to Metallica's lyrics might not notice. Uh, but this is one of the places uh, a song called "King Nothing" in particular, where he talks about uh, the way in which uh, I mean he doesn't name himself as the narrator, but it, it's pretty thinly veiled self-reflection, the way in which other people are, are, are kept at a distance from him, uh, you know, uh, all comes down and you wear your crown and you point your finger and there's no one around, where's your crown, king nothing. Uh, uh, it, it's sort of a take on the, uh, the King Midas story where, you know, everything you touch turns to gold. Uh, or in his case, gold records, right? And and the result <laughs> is that uh, you know you can't touch anyone, and uh, everybody's sort of uh, either uh, totally in awe of you or afraid of you, and and there's no uh, genuine emotional connection to be had, right? And so you know you talk about resume virtues or uh, whatever big long rock star obituary. Uh, virtues of being uh, whatever, uh, you know, how, however many platinum or gold records and albums sold and uh, this and that. Uh, but if, if there's no one uh, who can really 
tell you that there's something wrong with you when there's something wrong with you. Uh, what do you have and what kind of a life is that? Uh, it's the life of King Nothing, as the song says. Yeah, that many, many will want to boast and put on this image that, oh, they're the best. They've had all these accolades and awards and, oh, look at me. Like some, some of the extreme examples here, like uh, the pickup artist on YouTube. It's like, oh, women love me. I've been with thousands of women and I can I can teach you how to pick up women. Pay me a thousand dollars an hour. And it just seems like a very king nothing thing to me because many of these individuals have gotten into legal issues they've had certain diseases and it's like is, is this really the life we want to live we're going to put so much into adulation from others this uh, emotional affection and maybe even not emotional at one part like if you're just going to be with someone and dispose of them and move on with life like do you really have a great connection there so that could be one of these uh, king nothings out there it's like Questioning the value of things is, yeah. is a common theme in the Stoic texts that maybe it can be, oh, well, look, I have this money or I was born of this certain family and people think this is like the be all end all or whatever it might be. So trying to, to find genuine meaning and not just, oh, well, look at me, me and my crew go around Vegas and we've hooked up with women and like we're, we're the big winners here. Like, ah, maybe not. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, right. I, I, I'm, I'm... I'm thinking, uh, as, as you described that, I, it, it, it's probably Epictetus, since he's the Stoic I'm most familiar with and know best, talking about uh, a horse, right, uh, and bragging about the, uh, uh, the beauty of your, uh, your horse as if it's your own beauty, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> say about the horse, that the horse is beautiful, not that, you know. Uh, I mean, that, 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 that doesn't, uh, a beautiful horse doesn't impress, but it, people the way that maybe your uh, pickup artistry does or your gold records do or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, but ultimately, uh, it, you know, it, it, it's, it's kind of hollow, uh, which is not to say that, uh, uh, you know, people don't have fun with it at certain, at a certain point along uh, the way. But uh, is that really, uh, is that really what you want? Is that one of those eulogy virtues? Probably not. Right. The, the excess again is the, the issue with this one that I find, whereas I, I heard a conversation with one of these pickup artists and another person, and he was saying like, hey, I'm just not interested in that. And like, oh, what do you mean you're not interested in that? I'm like, ah, I'd just rather be by myself and not have all of these encounters with women. Like, I, I just don't want that. And he, he was just astounded that that, that was the response. So he, he's like, hey, king nothing over there. That that crown means nothing to me. <laughs> yeah. As, as, as Epictetus will do that. Like, he'll joke around in these conversations, like, calling people slaves or slavish. And like, oh, this this really doesn't matter. You've, you've propped this up to be so much, but it, it doesn't have much value in my eyes. <laughs> right. Right. It, it's funny uh, how you can deflate people that way. I, I remember going uh, car shopping years and years ago and, uh, the guy trying to upsell me on whatever the uh, the, the the better model was. I'm, I'm just not a car guy. This will be uh, blasphemy to some people. But I said, uh. I, I said to him, uh, "Well, a car is a car is a car, right?" Uh. <laughs> and his jaw just you know hit the ground. How could I say something like that, right? But but you know, a car is is uh, four wheels and transportation uh, for me. If you were going to give me 
uh, you know, a free car or a free Porsche or something like that. Sure, I'll take the the better one, but I'm not paying for it. You know. Yeah, something something good, something functional. As uh, we we've talked about in a previous episode, the stoic idea that under a thatched roof lies slavery. Yeah, yeah, right, <laughs> right. Yeah, so that that can be yeah too too much want of the externals can be ruinous. So you got these people out there in six figure jobs and they're still paycheck to paycheck and they want and they want and they want. And they, they just can't be satisfied. It's it's really interesting to me. Yeah, no, that's absolutely the right the, the case. Yeah, the Stoics certainly warn of that. And and I remember Epictetus also. You you talk of the the king nothing ideas that some of his students would say, oh, I'm I'm the best with uh, bodybuilding. Like I have these I have these weights and look look at the weights that I have. And they'll talk about their exercise routine. And Epictetus is saying, no, put away your Put away your jumping weights. Like let let us see your physique. Let us see how you exercise. Whereas people are talking about they do this and that, but they're not necessarily providing receipts, and it doesn't seem to match up. People might boast, but they're not actually doing the things they're saying they're doing. Yeah, and, and even if they're they're doing it, like you know, we'll take that pickup artist at at his word. Uh, is he really <laughs> is he really enjoying it as as much as uh, he wants you to think he is? You know. Uh, it could be a case of, uh, you know, you protest too much, right? All right. And to wrap it up here, you talk of the wants of fame. That can be a bad thing. That's similar to that king of nothing concept that maybe people place too much in the approval of others. And this can be a very dangerous thing. Well, that's right. I mean, uh, king nothing really does speak primarily to the uh, the, the issue of uh, of, of fame, right? And the way in which when, uh, you, you have, uh, all the gold records on the wall and you, you've gotten them by insisting that things be done your way, but, uh, the, uh, you know, the golden touch keeps everybody, uh, away from you. And I mean, fame is, uh, is just one of the hardest temptations uh, I think anybody can uh, can want to deal with. It, it's it's easy uh, to feel self-righteous in, for example, saying, well, the money doesn't matter, uh, this doesn't matter, that doesn't matter, but, but it, it's our own vanity that uh, in, in some ways is, is, is the last temptation to be overcome uh, and to... Uh, not be seeking adulation and and not be seeking flattery, but just doing what we do for the sake of it. Uh, I, I saw. I think this is where uh, a lot of comedians go wrong. Uh, that you know that they they're doing what they're doing for the sake of the uh, the approval and the flattery and the laughter. You, you get a sense pretty quickly when uh, there's a sense of generosity and uh giving this behind a comedian they really want to make you laugh more than they want to be thought clever or funny that kind of thing uh and so i imagine that's the same with with, with any kind of performer uh and i know it's a it's a temptation for me as a sort of kind of performer as a teacher uh that uh, i should be teaching for the sake of uh, trying to give to the students rather than uh, have the student admire me or think I'm smart or think I'm clever or something like that. Uh, so that, 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 that's a tough one. 
And I think the more successful you are, as you are, if you are James Hetfield of Metallica, uh, the more difficult uh, that hurdle becomes to clear. Yes, and it's okay to have some validation from others and desire relationships or friendships to some extent, but just not too much. And that, okay, well, hey, you're you're a musician or you're an author, and then someone's like, oh, I didn't like your book or whatever. And then it's like, oh, I'm terrible. I failed <laughs> because I have a critic, right? It's just like not reasonable to think that everyone will like you. And in some cases, if everyone does like you, then maybe you're just doing something wrong because you've sold out. Yeah, that, <laughs> that, that, that's absolutely right. I mean, Listen, I think we all know that the negative feels a lot worse than the positive feels good when it comes to acclaim, compliments, and criticisms, that that sort of thing. If everybody likes what you do, uh, and if everybody likes you, uh, well, you know, maybe you're not really being genuine, not really being uh, authentic, uh, which isn't to say that we should go around uh, cultivating people who don't like us either, but uh, it, it's a sign that you're probably doing something right. If not everybody likes it, not everybody approves of it. Yeah, and it's it's interesting. I like with metal music because a lot of it is just different than what you're going to hear on mainstream radio, where mainstream radio music can seem very formulaic and is like anything new here, and some artists are just like auto-tuning and they're not really themselves the songwriters and it's like oh like is it is it so genuine i don't know maybe it's some snobbishness in my case maybe not but you you could see that and, and question it and i know one uh, metal group man of war they have a song called all men play on 10 making fun of bands that sell out and they they're not heavy anymore they're just tuning down their guitars and you know it's it's not as it's not as good music and they're saying no we're never going to turn down again <laughs> yeah. we're, we're not going to like shave our hair we're not going to go like the image that the producer wants you know we're just going to do our own thing we're, we're going to have an element of freedom and just be ourselves rather than just compromising our values in order to make money yeah and of course that that's one of the areas where uh metallica ha has lost fans and gain fans over the year, right? Uh, their their uh, claim on uh, Master of Puppets in the song Damage Incorporated was that uh, honesty is my only excuse and uh, they're, they're going to go against the grain until the end, uh, where, which they really were doing at that time. But uh, they did court uh, mainstream success and did uh, you know, make commercial-sounding music at various points in time. And they did get their fair share, maybe more than their fair share of criticism for it. And th this sort of takes us to uh, an, an album that, that I particularly uh, like and uh, regard highly, Death Magnetic, which I see as their great comeback album. And on that uh, album is a song, Broken, Beaten, Scarred, uh, which I take as a, a sort of response to another song on the album, The Judas Kiss where there is uh, an admission from uh, uh, Hetfield as the, the lyricist that, uh, that he did feel hurt, did feel betrayed uh, by uh, some of the criticism and some of the uh, selfish ridden dead goodbyes, as the, as the lyric says, uh, where uh, people just sort of uh, kissed him off as, uh, as a has-been and uh, and whatnot, but uh, Broken, Beaten, Scarred uh, has a real vulnerability to it. 
Uh, it talks about uh, rising again after falling and of, of showing your scars, of displaying mm -hmm. them, not as some sort of necessarily macho display of, of toughness, uh, but as a, as a display that, uh, you know, we all bleed, uh, we all are, are hurt. Uh, you know, uh, none of us have impenetrable stoic armor, uh, and, uh, you know, we can all sort of rise again, uh, from the, uh, uh, from the slings and arrows of, uh, outrageous fortune, uh, that are hurled at us. And, uh, you know, there, there's a great theme of resilience there and, uh, and really a theme of anti-fragility is, uh, Nassim Taleb calls it, right, of actually improving, yeah. and this is a stoic kind of thing, right, improving uh, under shocks and improving under uh, injuries. And uh, he actually uh, has a, uh, a, a paraphrase of the old uh, Nietzsche line in there uh, that uh, what doesn't kill me makes me stronger. And uh, that certainly is, uh, if not a hundred percent correct, because you know uh, it, may, it might not necessarily make you stronger, but yeah. it, it can, it can, uh, right? And uh, this is uh, really, I think, uh, a stoic insight. Yeah, there's the idea that there's going to be turbulence in life, and it's not always going to be a dance or a picnic, as the Stoics write. There are going to be the vicissitudes, right? There's going to be the tumultuous times, so. Let's think about how we can prepare for that and get through it and be resilient and keep that strong mindset, have gratitude for the things that are going well, and of course, be happy when we have prevailed and recognize when we did a better job with that. I don't know, maybe we're much younger and we're not as prepared. We haven't had much experience, but over time, it's like, oh, well, now, you know, when I first started driving, that person cut me off and I was really mad, but now I see people doing that and I laugh and say, oh, what a silly person. Why do they have to be so aggressive on the road, right? <laughs> there's just a lot of ways to try to get past these things. Maybe it takes time. Maybe there's always going to be a little bit of a tinge of anger or some kind of uh, negative emotion, but we can work to try to get past that. Yeah, it, it takes it takes practice, right? And th there's a space between stimulus and response. And with time and practice, the, the space becomes uh, a little uh, longer and we become a little bit better uh, at choosing our reaction to it. Yes, and being genuine and recognizing the mistakes that we made, the areas for improvement rather than blaming someone else cursing at people like i was thinking it was a an internet meltdown that happened around december of 2021 this guy jack murphy went on someone's show an article at um a, a viewer asked a question is a super chat on youtube and he's just like screaming f you to the host and <laughs> it's just like well the host really had nothing to do with it and after there was criticism of him He's like, oh, it was all the critics and he wasn't really taking accountability for anything that went on, especially when people dug up his past and found a lot of things that weren't consistent with the image that he was putting out there. It wasn't like a naming of the things he did, the mistakes he made. It was all like, oh, blame everyone else. Everyone else is terrible. It's like not the way to go. He's asking for forgiveness, but there's no like genuine apology. So yeah, admitting one's fault, looking for improvement and being genuine. Yeah, and of course that's where where genuine and true friends come into play as well, who can really, you know, help you to look at yourself. Yeah, you certainly don't want that friend who's like, Oh, I'm only like that when I'm drinking, but then it's <laughs> happening like every week and it's like, Well, I don't know, is that your real self? 
like what what is that like people will just make those glib excuses but when the behavior happens again and again it's like oh maybe we should reevaluate our surroundings and cut some people off in time the stoics definitely encourage us to choose our friends carefully and to use our time carefully as well as those are related yeah right i mean uh you you really can be the architect of of your own environment in that way i mean not fully right there are some people in situations that are inevitable and that are not of your own choosing but uh, you know you can choose uh lots of the people places and things in in your life and uh do so wisely in a way that's going to you know, uh, be conducive to your, uh, your peace of mind, serenity, and all those other good things. Yes. And to, to not, to not sell out is the big thing. I think Seneca jokes about it is that if you, if you must sell out, don't do so cheaply, <laughs> but, uh, de- definitely don't want to compromise your values in the pursuit of, of other things. I mean, there are, there may be concessions that we make day to day, but hopefully not major ones. Like, for instance, in the workplace, maybe we'll have to just be a little bit quieter, wear a suit. Um, like, okay, maybe that's reasonable, but we, we don't want to go too much in one direction of of compromising ourselves and, say, agreeing to contracts that we find unconscionable. If we find corruption in the workplace, then maybe we should consider leaving that and not being part of a corrupt system, even if we've tried to change it or not. Right. Right. I like that line. If you're going to sell out, don't do it cheaply. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, the, it was the the Man of War song here. All men play on 10. Uh, the, the lyricist starts, I made a rock and roll sin when I tried giving in to make money, had to turn down low. They said, why be proud? Don't play so loud. Be like us and get a sound that's real thin. Wear a polyester suit, act happy, look cute, get a haircut and buy small gear. That's when I turned to them and said, hold it right there. Right. And, uh, about an hour here. Can you let listeners know where to find your book and how to reach out to you? All right. Great. Well, I never tell anybody where they should get the book, but you know where books are found. There are all kinds of online retailers and bookstores and that kind of thing. Figure that out for yourself. Uh, but I would love to hear from you, whether you've been listening to this podcast uh, or you've read the book uh, in particular. And you can get me at my uh, email address, which is just my name, William Irwin, I-R-W-I-N, at kings.edu. I'm also on Twitter. I don't do Twitter battles or anything like that, but I'm open to DMs. So you heard this podcast or uh, read the book and you have thoughts. And I'm glad to hear from you about criticisms, too, as I say. Uh, in the book, uh, you know, a good book should be a conversation starter and not a conversation ender. So you heard something uh, in this podcast or you read something in the book that you disagree with or that uh, you think I left out or didn't understand or forgot, uh, hit me up with that too. I love to hear uh, stuff that, uh, that you approve of and agreed with, uh, but uh, you know, I, I, we've just been talking about dealing with criticism, and I will be glad to have uh, critical uh, discussion as well. So hit me up through Twitter or through my email address, and uh, be good to continue the conversation. And thanks again, Justin, for having me. Yes, and the title of the book, The Meaning of Metallica, Ride the Lyrics, and that's William Irwin, I-R-W-I-N. And you have your kings.edu page, right? Yeah, so I've got a a web page with all kinds of uh, links to stuff. If you just Google my name, William Irwin, uh, and I'm at King's College in 
Pennsylvania, you'll find my uh, my webpage on the uh, the college website as well. And any upcoming books or projects that listeners can look forward to? Well, so I'm the, the, the series editor for the Blackwell Philosophy and Pop Culture series. And uh, that's uh, an ongoing project, right? So uh, we have uh, a book, uh, a recent book on the uh, sci-fi uh, franchise, The Expanse and Philosophy. We have uh, uh, a recent book on uh, uh, Black Panther and Philosophy. And we have forthcoming books on uh, Ted Lasso and philosophy and uh, a new Star Wars and philosophy book and a Dune and philosophy book. So all kinds of stuff uh, in the pipeline there. All right. Thank you for coming on the show today. Thanks again. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for more content. See the show notes for more information and links surrounding topics discussed in this episode. Support my efforts through my Patreon page found at StoicSolutionsPodcast.com. Access special perks, including having upcoming podcast guests answer your questions, custom-made podcast episodes, and private one-on-one calls to discuss whatever you'd like. Visit my other podcasts at HurdyGurdyTravel.com, that's H-U-R-D-Y-G-U-R-D-Y-Travel.com, to learn how to make money, save money, and travel the world at next to no cost with credit card rewards deals, and loyalty programs. Use affiliate or referral links to support me at no extra cost to you. Thanks to generous patrons and fans of this podcast who help support my work. Have a great day.